We're mad about, mad about you. We're mad about, mad about you. We love that show. We're mad about, mad about you. I blew out our candles. I hope that. Yeah, that, I don't think that read for anyone but me. <laughs> Here. So let's break it down now. It's just what we do. It's mad about, mad about you. I did it. You did it. I just came up with that too. That's great. Dare I say that that is the best written <laughs> song parody we've done on the podcast to date. I think that's probably fair. And ex- by far the most memorable. Yeah. Also, though, I'm like, oh, no, you just made it up. Now you know that it isn't actually difficult to make up songs on the spot. And the entire mystique behind what I do at the beginning of these shows is blown. <laughs> no, no. To be fair, that's a pretty dumb one I just did. <laughs> and yours are you know extremely what, you elaborate. Did, you did great because I had nothing. So half of what I, I like. Really? I was, yeah. Part of me was just going to be like, John, go. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot now. You've never but done that. I never have. And I never will. <laughs> That's why this works. (laughs) Rise, guys. Rise, guys. We're back. You're back. Everybody's back. Backstreet's back. All right. It's Mad About Mad About You. My name is Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And we are here to talk to you about the television show Mad Mad About About You. It was popular in the 90s. It's still popular today, though admittedly less so. Way less. That's what not being on the air for more than 20 years will do for a show. It'll really... Some shows. Your popularity. Some shows, sure. Yeah. Sure, let's, sure. let's face it, Russ. This show's been forgotten about. <laughs> that's, it, it went that's from millions not... of viewers a week to like 50 or however many listeners we have who watch along. Yeah. Isn't it funny how we're just like, well, look, everybody who watches and enjoys this show now listens to this podcast. So it's no, just no, like, that's why <laughs> I said, listen, I said the crossover is maybe 50. Because I know a lot of listeners who don't own the DVDs, have never seen the show, that's don't care point. to watch it. Oh. That's a good point. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. They listen to the show, but they don't watch the show. Whereas everybody currently watching the show is also a listener to our podcast. Also, obviously not true. Many people (laughs) watch the show and don't care to hear what these two idiots have to say about it. Who wants to make charts for us? Please. I know the chart. I can make it. (laughs) Nobody make a chart. I got the chart. It's two loops with a small overlap. John, you and I spoke a couple of weeks ago about something that did not have anything to do with Mad About You, and it was about something that I put out on Facebook, and you said, that's amazing. I want to talk about that on the show. The documentary about uh, Paul Simon's musical? No, that's what I wanted to talk. I'll talk to you about the Cape Man any day of the week, but we already covered that on the show. Yes. This was about a uh, theatrical experience that I had with Jen a bunch of years ago. Oh, with Mike Nichols? Yeah. Oh, everyone listen to this. This is a great story. Cool. So this was this was fun. This is a great story. Yes. So. Russ, I'll tell it. So <laughs> take it away. <laughs> so years ago, I went with Jen to see The Fever, which is a one-man play written by Wallace Shawn. We know him and love him from he's Vizzini from The Princess Bride. Yes. And everything else. Which I hate. Rex from the toys. Frankly, you hate the Princess Bride. Yeah, I think it's stupid and childish. You're the. 
<laughs> you're funny because you're like, hey, Russ, I want you to tell a story. But before you do that, I'm going to say something that's going to make you not want to talk to me ever again. <laughs> I think you all like it because you were kids when it was popular. I think that probably has something to do with it. I think it, that has uh, most, most to do with it. No, this, look, I've, I'm with you on that with, like, the Goonies. This is different. This is a really well done thing. It's a stupid, movie. pointless story. It's, it's, okay. Anyway. <laughs> okay, I win. You agree? Move yeah. on. <laughs> he, was, he was also in my dinner with Andre, which you probably love, right? I do love that. I didn't, uh, I figured, to be fair, I found it extremely boring the first time I watched it. Yeah, it's a conversation between two old smarty pants. But the fast anyway, the, the conversation's so weird and funny. It is once weird, you're older, it is funny. Once you're older. Yes. I watched it so, 10 years later and I loved it. So that's Wallace Shawn. And the one person show that he was doing was called The Fever. And they turned Which this he into... he wrote, right? He did write it. Yeah. He was writing it. He's a playwright, it. too. Yes, he wrote it and he was performing it. And it's all about white guilt. HBO made a movie out of it with Vanessa Redgrave. Oh. So, yeah, I have not seen it. She's white. She, she, she checks that box. Yeah. She sure does. <laughs> but, yeah, it's all about him being in the middle of a war-torn country and being very fortunate. And yes. I feel so, like I've... No, never mind. I've seen something else. Have I seen that? I don't know. I don't know your Mike life. Mike Nichols directed one of his plays as a movie that's very long about people in a war-torn country. But no, I think... I think that's I don't another think one. it was that. I think it was another one. Yeah, the one you're talking about had three people in it, I think. Yes, I you're, you're right. How'd you know that? Yeah, I remember this happening. So I went to see this with Jen, and I go to get our tickets. I give them my credit card, and I walk away, and an incredibly tall person is now at the ticket window, and he has my card, and he holds it up over his shoulder, and he says, uh, somebody leave their card? Uh Oh, he doesn't uh, turn. No, he doesn't. He says, uh, feeder. <laughs> and he, he makes some sort of a joke. You know, my name is spelled F-E-D-E-R. Everybody in the world pronounces it fetter. This guy pronounces it feeder. It's actually pronounced fader. Yes, it is fader. Okay. But he says Phew. feeder. And then he makes a joke. I can't remember what it was, what the joke was, <laughs> but it was along the lines of like, I can assume it's bird feeder. And it's just like, all right, really, whatever. Something like he says, some kind of. I bet it was more clever than that. Whatever it was, I'm like, oh yes, thank you very much. I might have like docked it a few points because I'm so sick of jokes about my name. It ends with Russ punching Mike Nichols in the face. (laughs) (laughs) So I take the card. I walk back, kind of rolling my eyes. I walk towards Jen, and her mouth is open, and she's just like, "Do you know who that was?" I was like, "Who? The funniest person in the world?" (laughs) And she's like. That was Mike Nichols. And I'm like, ah. oh, my God, it was the funniest person in the world. <laughs> so Mike Nichols, in case you don't know, listener, dear listener, he directed The Birdcage and Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf And The Graduate. And The Graduate. And primary Colors. Yep. And a Working million, Girl. Yep. A million things. A million things. And on the Broadway. greatest of all, Charlie Wilson's War. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Who could forget? <laughs> and Wolf. Uh, he directed Wolf with Jack Nicholson, where he turns into a werewolf. And he directed What Planet Are You From with Gary Shandling. Okay, all right. <laughs> Wait, but anyway. He didn't really do those, did he? Yeah, he really did. Wait, for real? Yeah, for real. They can't all be winners. No, he didn't. I swear to you. No, no, no. Okay, keep going. Keep going. Okay. I'm fact-checking so, uh, you. 
I appreciate it. So that's the most important thing that you could do during my story about I feel like my you're personal thinking of experience carnal to fact check me. Or heartburn. Why would you think that I'm thinking yes, of heartburn <laughs> instead of wolf? Jack Nicholson. <laughs> I don't think I am. I, you might have Nicholson Foria where you can't distinguish him <laughs> between movies. <laughs> I think I've got this pretty square. So you, you think the guy from Chinatown also has OCD? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh man i love when the joker goes and uh, gets his teeth worked on in the original roger corman little shop of horrors that's uh, better so, those are those are much better references close. For, for the joke Sorry. i wanted to make wow you are so anyway, totally right yeah i know fascinating thanks for, thanks for the last two minutes so well we had so, some good bits in there john i'm not trying to have fun on this podcast i'm trying to get to the truth <laughs> So, so Jen and I go up the stairs to the theater and the theater's not open yet. Mike Nichols is at the door and he is talking to somebody, somebody with straggly long hair. And he's wearing this weird jacket. Like he looks like a homeless professor. Is If you hadn't stated a gender, I would have assumed you were talking about Franny Leibowitz. <laughs> okay. No. Yeah, I was not. It was not her. <laughs> this time I recognize the person and Jen does not. And I say, do you know who Mike Nichols is talking to now? And she says, no. And I say, that's Tom Stoppard. All you theater nuts must be going crazy. Yeah. Tell the good people who Tom Stoppard is. Uh, Legendary playwright. Wrote uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Arcadia. Mm -hmm. Travesties. Ghost of Utopia. He basically, a lot of people hate him. (laughs) That's who he is. He writes very very dense plays. And honestly, I'd say you only I only understand maybe 10 percent of what's in each one, but that's enough to enjoy it usually. And you always grow a little. It's very true. He also wrote the screenplay to Shakespeare in Love. That's oh, duh. That's his. Yeah. Oh, brother. I forgot. No, sure. That's why that script is so wonderful and clever. Yes, absolutely. He's very smart. He's very funny. His shows are very dense. Jen and I went to see a show. I think we went to see Travesties. Was that on Broadway this past year? Yes. At uh, Roundabout. We went to see it the week before it closed. I can't remember who starred in it, the actor, but Jen liked the actor a lot. She was Me like, I'd like neither. to see this. And Jefferson like, Mays okay. was in it, wasn't he? No, it wasn't him. Okay. I don't think it was him. But I got there and I was not ready for it to be Tom Stoppard. <laughs> so I sit down. Yes. I'm, like, I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, it's like now going I- to Shakespeare. You just want to be like, hey, everyone slow down. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what in the hell you're talking about. Yeah. I'm like, stop saying Russian names. Yeah. I'm like, it's Thursday. I've had a long day, (laughs) a long week. And now I got to sit down for two and a half hours. And one of the main characters of this play, this comedy is James Joyce. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. So so, anyway, Tom Stoppard's great. And he's at the fever and he's going to see it with Mike Nichols. Christina bumped into him in England once. Really? Literally. My girlfriend, she was at the theater and it was mm-hmm. intermission or something, or I don't mm-hmm. know, whatever. They were all in the lobby, mm-hmm. and she backed into someone on accident. She turned around to say, excuse me, and it was just like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and ran away. Yeah, it's bananas. He's very tall, right? I believe so, yeah. yeah. He's Well, he, he might be very tall, but he was next to Mike Nichols, yeah. who's he well over off. six feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get led into the show, but before the show, in order to really amp up the white guilt that you're all about to experience, they have a champagne reception with Wallace Shawn on stage. I love it. So like the 100 or so ticket holders 
or a little bit more than that, they're allowed to, you know, oh, well, hello. Yes, let's talk. Everybody, there's a little salon before the show. <laughs> Wait. And with everyone? With everyone. Oh, uh, like Audience VIPs. members alike. No, audience members you like alike. You to participate? Yeah. Just oh. like walking on stage. And that's the thing. I'm walking, we're walking on stage. We're trying to like eavesdrop into their conversation mm-hmm. while also not being obvious. Mm-hmm. So we didn't pick up any good ones at the time because we were also just like, no, man, let's just be cool. So we hang out until finally it's time to take our seats. And we're seated in the middle of the row. And we get to the row and seated on the end of the row, our row, is Mike Nichols and Tom Stoppard. So we have to do the, excuse me, sorry, pardon me, excuse me, to theater royalty. And so I do. And it's also just like, let me take this opportunity to actually have some kind of communication with these people. Mm -hmm. So I say to Mike Nichols, I'm like, hey, thanks again for the credit card. And he's like, oh, no problem. You'd have figured it out sooner or later. And I'm like, oh, you're absolutely right. I would have. You're so wise. What a smart, funny man. (laughs) He's also so famous for, you know, inventing improv comedy. Oh, yeah. We can all thank him for that. Yeah. (laughs) John, if it weren't for. And I'd like to thank Einstein for inventing the nuclear bomb. John, if it weren't for nu- for for nuclear bombs, if it weren't for improv comedy, this podcast wouldn't exist. That you is and true. I that you is and I true. wouldn't be friends. We wouldn't be here. And then uh, how empty would our lives be? How empty would the lives of all of those sad sack listeners be that we have just <laughs> walk? Or who knows? Who knows what they would be listening to? Yeah. Were, were not for us. We'd all hang ourselves with the two hours a week, <laughs> two hours every two weeks. And <laughs> we have three. Yeah. 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 So anyway. So that uh, is it's a riveting story, I think. It's a very it's nerd level 10 story, I guess. It was pretty huge. And then also like we left after the show, which was very good. And Jen and I are just like, we're leaving and we're calm. And we're just like, at what how far away from the theater do we have to get that so that we can freak out about everything that just happened? Absolutely. You know, so like we get two blocks away and we're just like, yeah, it was pretty neat. I get struck by the strangest people. Like I saw Alan Rickman once. Nothing. Couldn't mm. care. It's just a old guy. I saw Anthony Edwards, Dr. Green from ER, and my yeah. knees literally buckled. Yeah, I hear you. I, I thought like I couldn't breathe for a second. I completely Joey Slotnick understand. from The Single Guy made my knees buckle. <laughs> Joey Slotnick He was picking up his tickets guy. for a TJ and Dave improv show in New York. The Bear Street wa- Theater in front of me. And I was like, oh, huh? <laughs> I've never wanted a t-shirt for our show more than the quote joey slotnick from the single guy made, <laughs> made my, my knees, knees buckle, buckle. mad yeah. about mad about you <laughs> no i'm in what uh freshman in high school i'm in new york with my grandma we go to the today show i take a photo with katie couric and then some other blonde chick comes by and i'm like yeah sure fine i think i take a photo with her or she just walks uh-huh. by my grandma's like that's sharon stone and i'm like I, who cares whatever <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what news does she deliver yeah <laughs> And your grandma's like, you'll care in a few years. That's, you're yeah, going to care true, big man. time. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Anyway, uh, Russ, so that is that is nostalgia with Russ and John. We got a fan mail. We, fan mail. I don't like Did that we term. Know? We got mail in the mailbag. What's up? From Tracy Trog. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Tracy. One of our listeners. She said, hi, fellas. Well, hey. Hey, fellas. First Stop off, editorializing, please, John. <laughs> 
<laughs> First off, I wanted to say that Rush should release a Cindy Lauper parody album and put it on Bandcamp because they'd buy it. In, she'd buy it in a heartbeat. Oh my goodness! Okay. So to think about Russ in your spare time, great. Of which you have none. <laughs> she said, "I'm a true crime fan. I was listening to a podcast about Pamela Smart. She had her husband killed in the early '90s." <laughs> great. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. I just love how like colloquial true crime is. This is just the setup for like. Oh, right. So she had her husband killed in the early nineties. Yeah, and, and moving on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not to the part of the story yet. Yeah, what's her apple pie recipe? <laughs> <laughs> the podcast mentioned that Helen Hunt started a made-for-TV movie where she portrayed Pamela Smart. Huh. She had seen okay. it a long time ago on YouTube, and she gave us a link and asked for a minisode. So something to think about. Okay. Yeah. Something yes. To think about. Great. Thank you, Tracy. That's awesome. She also said she was intrigued by the mention of a Faustian uh, mad about you and was wondering what we think Paul and Jamie would do as their Faustian bargains. What would Paul and Jamie do for their Faustian bargains? Well, for, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? It has to be something you cherish, right? For something yes. you want. Like, something do you think he'd give up idea. his filmmaking skills to never have to leave the house again? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. In the most boring and sad of Faustian bargains. (laughs) I could see him doing like a very low stakes Faustian bargain, but with the highest, like in the highest regard, where it's just like, oh, yeah, I give up all my jazz records if it means that the toilet uh, never runs all the time and I just have to. But like, I'll sign that in blood. I'll give up my stereo (laughs) if I never have to eat haddock. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. Jamie's harder. What well, do women look, give up, Russ? I don't know what women give up. They both uh, like. I feel like in that Seinfeld episode. What do women say? Bo- <laughs> I feel like they both give up. Like I'd give up my life for her life. I'd give up my oh, life. Oh, right, that's so boring. Which I know. That's why, John. That's why I said it with that voice. I don't <laughs> like that answer either. Uh huh. But yeah, Jamie's Jamie's hard. Maybe she'd give up. Uh, oh, it's tough. Something for cooking though, because she's a lousy cook. But she seems to have a passion for it. She cooks all the time. Oh, I know what she'd give up. What's up? I think she'd give up her conniving skills, her sneaky skills for like... I think you mean knife skills. <laughs> should I just... Should we quit? Should, should I don't this, even should know we just end the podcast? Totally get it. Oh, well, you said conniving skills. Uh-huh. It's, it's not pronounced. It's, it's, it's knife skills. Yeah, I don't know. K is silent. Oh, yeah. In conniving. That's from an old Nicholas May bit, too. She's uh, on the phone with the operator, and Olivia May goes, That's K as in knife. Really funny. (laughs) (laughs) I think she'd give up something to not have to deal with her mother. I guess it would be to change her mother, which isn't Faustian, I guess, right? It's more like a monkey's paw, which I guess is maybe a different way of being Faustian. Where's a monkey's paw? Where if, if she were to be like, I'd love to, oh, if I didn't have to deal with my mother anymore. Oh, yeah. Why is that a monkey's paw? Well, because. Is that a Jane Goodall we, thing? No, oh, those are apes. Those are apes. <laughs> yeah, that's offensive. Do you not know <laughs> the monkey's paw? Is that a movie? It's an old short story, an O. Henry story, and it's kind of. The candy bar? It, holy smokes, John. <laughs> o. Henry, the writer, used to write. I like the candy bar. Well, let's just talk about that. <laughs> Oh, he would publish to... his stories on the inside of the wrapper. <laughs> like John, like, like keep... an intellectual Bazooka Joe. Do you want to keep joking around or do you want to hear the truth? <laughs> I don't like graphic rappers myself. I'm more of a long-form <laughs> rapper guy. Oh, Henry used to write short stories, and they had a, an ironic twist ending. Oh, and okay. And he wrote one called The, the Monkey's, Monkey's Paw. Paw. And 
a person had a was given like came across a monkey's paw and they were able to make wishes on the paw and they'd make a wish and a, one of the fingers on the paw would shrivel up or close but it was always like oh i wish i had a million dollars and it would be like oh you got a million dollars it's fantastic except the way you got a million dollars is your parents were killed in a plane crash and they bequeathed whoa it to you. whoa henry take it's, it easy yeah it makes you think huh makes yeah. you stop and think anyway so that's like mad so he you. invented that story sort of he invent because there's a lot yes. of stories like that yeah, he, right like yeah, the black invented- box i remember reading or whatever where you push yeah, a button yeah. He wrote The Monkey's Paw, and that is the most famous version of that story. Yes. Or maybe it's the second most famous behind the Black Box movie from a few years ago. No, no, no. That's based on another short story that I read in school about a black box. The answer to your question is yes. I don't know what the question—I don't know if it's a yes or no. (laughs) (laughs) She thinks Paul would want to be a top-flight filmmaker in the realm of Steven Spielberg— I agree, but a documentarian, I would imagine. I think. Sometimes he's made allusions to wanting to do narrative. Sure. Oh, she gets the impression that Jamie envies Paul's creativity a little. And we have seen that she tends to be drawn to a wealthy lifestyle. Wow, Tracy's really going deep on these characters. Yeah. So with that in mind, I think her Faustian bargain would be that she is one of the best-known actresses of all time. Interesting. That is interesting. I don't know if I agree. I don't know that I disagree. I feel like she's more hungry for power. And uh, it is extremely hard to get power and agency as an actor or actress. I think, Holly, yeah. Even, that's very even true. the most famous actresses find that I, power comes and I goes. Think if, yeah, I think if she were an actress, she'd kind of clam up and it wouldn't suit her personality all that well. Oh, wow. She said, uh, despite being in love and married to each other, they would have all the issues that famous couples have. Oh, that's the trade-off. Drugs, affairs, <laughs> doubts. Ooh, Are these the funny. pluses or the minuses? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she said she checked which episodes were up and wanted to comment that she's enjoyed the last four episodes, yada, yada, yada. Oh, and she says, have either of you seen a movie called Odd Jobs starring a young Paul Reiser? Have you, Russ? No, I have not. They play movers. Him and this ensemble of 80s like comedians and actors and Dynasty and it's on HBO Go. Oh, cool. We should do a mini. We should have some minisode time. Maybe between we seasons should. we could do a couple minisodes. It's been a while. Between season yeah. three and four. We'll take a little break from the show for a episode or two do a mini soda too great right a little palate cleanser i love it anyway love that's the plan. mailbag we're 20 minutes in what what are we talking about we're talking about mad about you this is mad about mad about you's 67th episode we're talking about wow. season three episode 21 of mad about you an episode called cake fear definitively not a reference to the movie plot wise the movie cape fear yes that is correct this has nothing to do with that movie no a different thing entirely. Which makes me believe that when I think sometimes it might have something to do with the movie when they do this, it probably doesn't. Does not. It's just a pun. Yeah. Did you see Cape Fear? Oh, no, it? no. Uh, Either version? It's a little too creepy. It is very creepy. That's why I, I haven't seen a, it. I saw it as a kid. Oh, no. But it was also just like, it was before I was old enough to really gra- to really get oh, just sure. how creepy it was. Yes. I. Those were the golden days. Yeah, or I'm just like, oh, he's weird. He's got a funny voice. Oh, he's saying, come out, come out wherever you are. Oh, yeah. he's he's putting his fingers in Juliette Lewis's teenage Ew. mouth. This is gross. Yeah. But, all right, whatever. Movie, yeah. movie. Oh, like Joe Pesci in Home Alone. Yeah. yeah. And also, it's just like, ooh, I'm in middle school, and I'm hanging out and watching this movie with my older brother and his friends. Uh, what a great time. Totally. And back then, yeah. you're like, oh, no, he's just a murderer. He cuts people in half, and then he feeds them to bears. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But this girl, she's hilarious, and she's trying to catch, like, it doesn't even register. <laughs> I was only familiar with Cape Fear through uh, the Seinfeld 
Christmas episode where they parody Cape Fear. I'm trying to remember. There was a reference. Elaine's dating That's a guy funny. who's in recovery and he goes off the wagon. Off the wagon? They have that debate about off the wagon, on the wagon. Off the wagon, on the wagon. Right. They remember? <laughs> and her boyfriend relapses on alcohol. Okay. And he gets drunk and they're all hiding from him in the office and he's dragging a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. He's going, come out, come out, wherever you are. <laughs> Which is from that movie, right? It is from that movie, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. That's all. That's all I knew. Love it. You want the TV guide? I would love it. Flashbacks to Paul's previous birthdays show why he expects this one to be a disaster, too. Yeah. Yeah. Very That's exactly good. what happens. And what's very fun, well... it has uh, the credits listing listed, you know, oh, okay. like, as it always does. Susanna and Bobby, Sid, yep. Giorgio Petri, Lolly, Meg Wiley. I was just thinking yep. how fun it is for us now. To I relived the when I like, when I saw the names, I was like, oh, great. And Lolly's going to be there. And Sid, yeah. I love them both. I I felt the same way. We're and Susanna, just like, don't get me wrong. But yeah, you know. we're suddenly we're just like, oh, I know this act. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you see the name, and you're like, oh, I'll remember that name. That was a g- nice, nice time to be alive. <laughs> do you have anything yeah, to talk I really, about? I do. John, do you remember last week what I talked about on this show? No. This is not. <laughs> yeah, I'm like that's a that's a dirty question. That's I apologize a dumb question. For asking it. We spoke about. The Fox All Star. Oh yeah, Challenge. with Tia Carrera. With yes, yeah, yeah. The Tia Carrera and, thing is what you talked about, <laughs> right? Yeah, and Daisy Fuentes, and yeah. Oh, and, it was an athletic thing with former athletes. Yeah, and like Steve a, American well, Gladiators athletes at the time. Yeah, that's right. It was like American Gladiators, and we were like, "Who would do this? Why is this a thing?" Right. This is very similar to American Gladiators. Right. Well, on the night that this episode aired, at 10 p.m. on ABC was American Gladiators Superstars. Oh. One so roughly one week later, because this episode aired on May 4th, 1995, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote 2018, which is not correct. May 4th, 1995. The other thing aired April 30th. So right. I guess it was the time of the season to do yeah. prime time celebrity because that's the other thing. This was a celebrity event. Celebrity feats of strength. Yes, basically. And what celebrities played in American Gladiators? Well, this one was a real battle of the network stars kind of thing. Jay Leto and David Letterman? I was going to say you're not far off, but you're kind of far oh, off. Okay. Kevin Eubanks also- and <laughs> Peter Schaefer? <laughs> Paul Schaefer? Paul Schaefer? Uh, <laughs> oh, brother. La Bamba from Conan's Band? <laughs> it was hosted by Pat O'Brien from Entertainment Tonight. Oh, yeah. And it was shot... It was shot at Universal Studios Florida. I watched a bunch of this. This is also available in full on YouTube. And this was a real battle of the network stars. Whereas, you know, the other thing on Fox was just, we're going to have pro athletes and put them up against whoever or, or put them up against each other. This was Fox versus NBC versus CBS versus ABC. Wow, the big four. Yeah. And each team had four members per team. And they were each coached by an American gladiator. This is now at the, top of, at the top of this thing, they were just like, these contestants have been training all morning for their feats of, and it's just like, all right, calm down. No way. Training all morning? Wow. <laughs> That's quite the time they commitment. They had a different breakfast physically than ready. normal. Yeah. <laughs> did Jaleel so, White compete? He did not, but. Eddie did Darius McCreary. Oh, okay. Eddie Eddie Winslow. Yeah. Who else was on this? Tina Yothers. Who's from that? Family Ties. Wow. The daughter Jennifer, younger daughter, which was not on the air anymore. 
I don't believe it was. I think that's correct. So it's a little has-beens. A little bit. Has-been oh, yeah, these, these are all pretty has been But also, you know, there are people who were on from uh, Living Single. Holly Robinson was on. Uh, she was on, I believe she was on Living Single. Oh, okay. I didn't. Uh, I wasn't allowed to watch that. Marsha Warfield was on? Who's that? She's the bailiff from Night Court. She's Ross. Wow. I think she was on something else at this time, but, I mean, that's what I know her sure. from. Shadow Stevens was on. Who's that? Shadow Stevens was the center square on Hollywood Squares for a little bit. <laughs> and when he was on this, he was doing something else. But, like, all of these people were on the show. A guy who played Roman on Days of Our Lives, which I know because... I know. I remember. Yeah. I used to watch with Mom. They're all doing... It's broad daylight, outdoors, and they're all doing C and D level American Gladiators, but, like, fake stunts fake events for the American gladiators. Whereas American gladiators, the real thing is like, we're going to play tackle football, right? This is like, well, you're all celebrities and you've had all morning to train for this. And also Marsha Warfield is in it. So we're going to put you on like a trampoline kind of floor, like an inflatable floor with a big inflatable ball and a really tall hoop. And yeah, it's volley basketball. You have to hit the ball. That sounds pretty fun. It was, I mean, it was fun enough, but it was also great because Marsha Warfield beforehand, they're doing interviews and Marsha Warfield is just like, I think we got to feel pretty stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but I need the money. Basically. And then they're like, oh, climb up this big inflatable foam pyramid mm-hmm. that the gladiators are standing at the top of because the whole thing is covered in vinyl. You're climbing up it. And the gladiators are spraying the vinyl with water to make it real slippery. Oh, okay. And then after you after you reach the top, you have to slide back down. Oh, and I'm I just see. like, these are just children's games. This is all yeah, very. Yeah. And at one point, they had they played Twister. That's one of the events. Oh. So I would uh, say, don't watch it. It's not worth it. I would say, don't watch it. If the, guys, if Russ is saying that, don't yeah. watch it. They had somebody demonstrating all of these events. And his name was Jeff Altman, and he's a stand-up comedian. Uh huh. Do you know the name? No. I didn't either. And I was just like, let me see, because this guy seems pretty corny and pretty lame, but let me see what I can find out about him. Wikipedia starts with, he's an American stand-up comedian and actor who has appeared as a guest on Late Show with David Letterman 41 times. Wow. I'm like, wow. Altman mesmerized contemporaries like David Letterman and Jerry Seinfeld and inspired future comedians like Judd Apatow. I'm like, okay, Wow, this guy sounds like something really great. So here's the last three lines or the last three paragraphs of his Wikipedia because they really pull the curtain back a little bit. In 1989, Altman released his one and only comedy record album entitled I'll Flip You Like a Cheese Omelet. Okay. I'm like, all right, I think I'm getting a bit of a. Well, uh, yeah, my first reaction is just like, no, put me down. Yeah. <laughs> no, you will not. Put me back in the pan. <laughs> then it says, in the 90s, Altman was on the NBC series Nurses. Oh, uh, we discussed its, that. During its first season. He was written out of the show as it was reworked for its second season. Oh, no. What's the third blow? A regular feature of his... Sta- this is my favorite. I'm going to start it over. This is what... I love this so much. A regular feature of his stand-up act has typically included a comical impression of his father, and Altman continued to find his Nixon impression humorous well into the 1980s. Oh. <laughs> Altman 
continued to find his Nixon impression oh. humorous well into the 1980s. This hey, is great be- if he's laughing, they're laughing. Right? I'm like, it start, in the beginning where it was just like, he mesmerized contemporaries. I was like, did he write this? And then you get to, well, I think it's funny. And I'm like, oh, gosh, please don't tell me you wrote this. Oh, I think he definitely wrote it. <laughs> it's rough. Rough sledding. <laughs> that is that is rough. Oh, man. Hey, at least so he had that, this gig. That's that's true. Gig's that's a gig. true. Dude got a paid day. This is show business. So American Gladiators superstars, go ahead and sleep on it. Uh, what's, <laughs> what's doing with you, John? This isn't the news per se, but uh, Paul Simon passed away recently. Not Paul. Neil. Neil. Sorry, Russ. Right. You would have known. You knew I was wrong because you would have known before me that Paul Simon died. Well, there was also an old, uh, I think, a representative or a senator named Paul Simon from who died years and years ago, who I know about from Sarah Vowell. So I thought maybe that was what you were talking about. No. Anyway, Neil Simon. I was talking about the Paul Simon who's Neil Simon, (laughs) Uh, the playwright who everyone knows uh, because they probably did one of his plays in high school. He wrote The Odd Couple, Barefoot in the Park, Brighton Beach Memoirs, etc., in Paul Reiser tweeted this past week an article that he had written for the Writers Guild, the Screenwriters Union, for their quarterly magazine or monthly magazine called A Letter to Neil Simon. Oh. Or A Letter from Neil Simon, I should say. Okay. Which is just a very sweet article. I thought I'd uh, read a little of it. Oh, that's great. Please do. 1973, New York. I'm in high school. My comedy bones are setting firmly in place. I can recite entire sides of George Carlin albums in my sleep. Ditto Robert Klein, Woody Allen, and David Steinberg. Oh, that's sweet. That's nice. And then David Steinberg went on to direct several episodes of Mad About You. I love it. Yeah. I've been introduced to the magic of Bob and Ray, who I've never heard of. Have you? I have. Bob of Bob and Ray is Bob Elliott, who was Chris Elliott's dad. Oh, they're a a radio, a couple of radio DJs. Yes, right. My heart soars upon discovering the 2000-year-old man albums. And from that moment on, I bow reverently at the altar of Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner. Both of whom were regulars on Mad About You. Boy, this guy's just sure living were. his dreams, huh? Yeah. And then off to the side in the category all on his own was Neil Simon. Not just because his plays were knowingly funny and wonderfully poignant and so instantly universally accessible. But the very arrival of the plays meant to us. And by us, I mean everyone in New York. The whole city. The opening of a new Neil Simon play was cause for celebration. A desperately needed injection of not just levity and relief, but yeah, I'm going to say it. Hope. The late 60s and early 70s were not the best of times in New York. Yada, 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 daily news headlines, hideous street (laughs) crime, political corruption, transit, we've all been there. You should write an autobiography and it's going to be called The Things I Chose to Yada. Yeah. It'll just be. (laughs) Well, that's what life is, right? You know what? It's not about the moments. It's about the yadas. It's about the yadas. Yeah. You're absolutely right. The space between moments. I had an image of Neil Simon tirelessly and single-handedly pushing a huge boulder of comedy up a mountain of everything. That's the opposite of comedy. A balding glasses wearing Sisyphus. <laughs> uh, oh, up a mountain of everything that's the opposite of comedy. Yes, right. Gotcha. Because New York was so awful at the time. Oh, then in the summer of 73, he read in the paper that Neil Simon's wife, Joan, had died, having suffered a long and brutal illness. He had never met Neil or his wife or ever even met anyone that might have met them. But this hurt me, he said, offended me and made me angry. Him? I wailed to whatever image of God I had as a 17-year-old. You're going to do this to him? Oh. Yeah. So cut to him. He says, so because I didn't have God's address, I wrote a letter to Neil, (laughs) a condolence letter. Thinking about it now, it seems a glaringly peculiar thing to have done, bordering on presumptuous and intrusive. (laughs) But I felt compelled. 
So cut to 1997. He's an adult, a husband, a father. I'm a writer, a working actor. I'm in comedy. I read Neil Neil's memoir, Rewrites, which I think we've talked about on here. I think we have. It's an unbelievably moving and funny book. Yeah. As Paul says, a great book, joyful, touching, and hugely instructive. It ends with Neil's recounting of the loss of his wife and the rough aftermath that followed. And as I'm reading, I recall for the first time, literally ever, that letter I sent him all those years ago. I moved again to drop him a note, this time to say how much I enjoyed the book and having had a few years earlier the thrill of working with Neil. Do you know what they worked together on? No. This is another mini-sode we should do. I think I'd yeah. known this and then forgot. There's a movie called The Marrying Man. Okay. And it stars Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger. Yep, 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 yep. And Fisher Stevens. <laughs> we should absolutely do that. Right? Yeah. Oh. That's uh, right. Yeah, he posted, he posted pictures... I think oh, he posted pictures yes. uh, right after yeah. Neil Simon passed That's away. Right, and it yeah knocked me out. So he writes him another letter in 1997. Yep, I share with him what tickled me most was reading the book. About reading the book was learning that despite his talents and unparalleled success, even he struggled with writing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Somewhere in the letter, he mentions this is actually the second time he's written him. The first being in '73. So. Soon thereafter, I get the loveliest, personally typed response from Neil Simon. The letter began. Dear Paul, good news. The letter you wrote when you were in high school arrived on Thursday. The letter you wrote about <laughs> rewrites got here Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and this is so great. funny. Paul goes, okay, it's already great and already perfect, Neil Simon. The rhythm of it oh, is perfect. Man. The perfect number of syllables. It sounded like something that would effortlessly flow from the lips of Jack Mellon and Walter Matthau and Matthew Broderick. He's right. I, right oh. Isn't he? It is. The syntax oh. of it is actually quite. And it's also like he made that up. The reason that we think that that's funny is because Neil Simon told us that that's funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He continued, so let me answer your earlier letter first. No, I don't think you should try for a career in show business. It's very competitive, <laughs> especially in the comedy area. Your letter didn't sound that funny to me. Kids like you never make it. <laughs> He then goes on to say some very nice things about my work, which, to my great surprise and delight, he, he had been following and enjoying. He then shares this, quote, Rewrites has become the most imp more important to me than practically any of the plays it's produced, any of the plays because it's produced so many letters like yours. I felt it was important to put my life and experiences down, if only to help young writers. I know they all thought I sit down, write a play in one draft, put it up, and it's a hit. Then knock off the next one. It never was like that, and it never will be. Now all those young kids who read the book write me and say, thank God, we thought you knew a secret we didn't. Aw. Isn't that great? Yeah, that really is. Ugh, what a letter. What a mensch. I love it. Yeah. That's great. That's all. Thanks for bringing that. I love it. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Paul Reiser, for, uh... <laughs> we should write him a letter. Yeah. <laughs> I already have. <laughs> Let's talk about this episode, shall we? Yeah, it was directed by Michael Lembeck, as usual. Great. And written by Jeffrey Great. Lane, who wrote The Man Who Said Hello, Virtual Reality, Same Time Next Week. Yeah. Uh, Mad About You Mainstay. For sure. I like this one a whole lot. How about you? I loved it. Yeah. I didn't know what it was going to be. Yeah, me neither. I thought it was just going to be four, ce like, uh, four scenes. Like, this was this birthday. This is last year's birthday. This is the year before his birthday. I hoped it would be... What it was, because it felt to me as soon as they. Yeah, because I was like, if they don't show all the things they're setting up, I'll lose my mind. Right. So what this episode is, it starts in 1995 on Paul Buckman's birthday, which presumably is May 4th. Yeah. 
Uh, happy Star Wars Day, everybody. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Ugh. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the be- that's that's the more John response that I was expecting. I mean, uh, fourth. So Jamie and Paul are going to go out to dinner with Ira and Susanna. And Paul is setting up that he doesn't like his birthday because disaster always happens. And after a brief scene wherein Ira and Susanna arrive, we flash back to the year before, 1994. And we get to see his birthday that year. And then we see 93 and 92. Am I right on my years? I feel like yes, I might be wrong on my years. 95, 94, 93, 92. And then 91. Right. It goes five years. We see five years of birthdays. Like We see five years of the setups of birthdays. Right. Basically, they play out the scene of each birthday up until something goes wrong or is about yes. to go wrong. Yes. Or you can see that's where it's it going to go wrong. That's the first half of the episode, going five, four, three, yeah. two, one. And then the second hey, half the setup. Yeah. is it builds back up to 95, starting and you watch ni- the 91 birthday play out fully. Then you go to 92 and you watch that play the rest out. And then it's what it's beautiful. Yeah. It's did you. This is yeah. not easy to do, I think, especially no. in a week. This is also this uh, is a very elaborate structure. Episode. Did you ever do one of these? Yeah. Uh, What's it called? Uh, yeah. Evente? No. I always called it an onion because it has layers and you do. But I'm not sure. As yeah, but you don't put it, onions back together. Well, you do this one. <laughs> but yeah, you start with a scene with two people. And then a third person comes in and you do a different scene, four, five, six, seven. And then the first per- the person who came in to make it a seven person scene leaves. They resolve that problem. And then you've got the six person scene and you you pick up where that one left off. It's uh, like that in that things yeah, change and then go back to what they were. Yes, it's hard and it's fun, especially to like make jokes between the scenes. Yeah, reference the other scenes. Which Absolutely. this does very well. It does. I'm telling you, this is an exceptional uh, 22 minutes, I think. I agree. This is really great. Yeah. And a lot of fun performances. I mean, For what sure. I like about the 95, the first one they do is a little uh, bleh. Uh-huh. You know, they're going for a double date with Ira and Susanna, and they show up and Su- Ira's cat ate Susanna's bird. Yeah. But it's yes. such a quick the, scene. Yes. Susanna's holding the, Susanna arrives. She's holding the cat. She asks, where's the bird? The bird is inside the cat. Right. And that's and a little I'm dumb like, initially. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, oh, gosh, is this going to be is this going to be the episode? Right. Is that's Iris, what I was saying. Yeah. Is Ira's cat ate Susanna's bird? Who cares? But this, this is, is just to set silly. up like the level of bad. Right. It's like, oh, like no one dies on his birth. This is just like, oh, it's like this kind of this is right. the type of thing that would go wrong on one of his birthdays. We learned something that and happened there's a great payoff uh, on, at the end. Yeah, we learned we learned something that happened on a birthday back when Paul was 15. You know, I fell in a well. You did not. Birthday 15, Amish country. You fell in a well while making a wish. Okay. Yeah, we do. I love that specific. It's so funny and it's so well delivered. Because <laughs> it's just thing. it's so matter of fact. Yeah. Making a wish. (laughs) That is brutal and great. You throw a coin in a well and make a wish. Is that correct? Like a fountain? Yes. A wishing well. Or a wishing well. Yeah. You don't even need a coin. The coin helps. (laughs) For the kids. For the kids. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, once you grow up, you realize, hey, look, this coin, I I need to be saving these. I'll just, uh, I'll toss a mind coin down this well. Yeah, right, right. Hey, listen, well, if there's anything you could do, you know. (laughs) 
I also love his perspective because I yeah. feel like I am like this and I like as a human, I like to see anything that I experience reflected in TV. Sure. <laughs> and it's uh, his attitude about this whole thing. Jamie's attitude is, come on, they won't all be bad. And his, he's like, no, 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 they will be. And at this point, I'm just sort of fine with it. And I'm curious to see what this year will bring. Yes. Like, I've already come to terms with the fact that something bad is going to happen. And it's that kind feels, of an adventure. This feels like a very, I was thinking about this a little bit before, and now I'm kind of amending it. Normally, Jamie is the one who believes in fate. And Paul is the one who's just like, you're crazy. Everything is just random. Great point, Russ. This time, Paul believes in fate. And Jamie is saying, no, it's not. It's random. Except whereas Jamie is just like, everything is terrible. And it has to be, period, the end. I don't like this. It's just going to happen. Paul is a different kind of just, he's accepted his fate. Hey, whatever. You know, right. oh, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Even when they're on opposite sides of the coin of what they believe, the way they believe it remains the same. That is very true. Very astute. It's pretty good. It's pretty good writing. Someone put their shrinker's hat on this morning. <laughs> it is very um, good writing. I think this is, oh, the more I think about this episode, the more I'm like, oh, they should win an award. It was really good. Let's yeah. see. 95, they're going out to dinner on a double right. date. 94, right. Jamie is throwing a big surprise party for him. Right. And she's cooking and she's making deviled eggs in the first scene of that birthday. Right. Which I thought was very impressive for her. It's pretty good. Because she was sprinkling chives on top at that point, I think. And that. I think you're right. A, finally, we get a callback to the spice conspiracy. <laughs> it's been a long time. It sure has. They, I, you know why? They probably had that writer rubbed out. <laughs> but to me, that was a very like, that's a very elaborate dish for her. Deviled eggs? Yeah. It could be. Am I just too easily intimidated by cooking? Maybe. I think I, it's hard, I, Russ. You have to whip the yolk. Yeah, that's not, I, you know, I've never, I've never done it. I've seen it done. Not to sound like Richard Kind, and I might have talked about this before on the podcast, but you, you want to hear about the best deviled egg I ever had? John, of course I want to hear about the best deviled egg you ever had. <laughs> it's just ridiculous, but it really was. Yes. It was tape night on Two Broke Girls where I did all my fat jokes <laughs> in a scene. And all of a sudden they bust out pl- like the most insane hors d'oeuvres you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And they had these deviled eggs of which I had like a dozen. <laughs> I just kept shoving them down my throat. Yeah. You know, to prepare for the character. Sure. <laughs> They're like, look, if you're gonna make look, if you're gonna make me say these things into a camera and the nation, I'm gonna eat six eggs in front of you. They, it was a, instead of cutting them in half, it was a whole hard boiled egg, right? Wow. Okay. They whipped the yolk and put it back yep. in and cut the top of the white off, and then yeah. the yolk came up out of the middle, the yeah. main egg a little, right? Yeah. They put three bacon bits. Oh no, okay. they put a bacon bit in the middle yeah. of the of the yellow of the yolk. Yeah. Yeah. And then they put two little chives for eyes. Okay. And okay. then they put the egg white back on so it looked like a baby chick was hatching out of an egg. That's creepy and weird and great. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and it's so cute you don't think about how weird it is. <laughs> it's like putting the head and feet and tail on a steak. Oh yeah. <laughs> Like if the baked potato was the cow's head. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hit like anytime that there's a food ad that like turns a cart, like makes the animal that you're eating into like a fun cartoon. Yeah. Or whatever. I'm just like, this is weird. It's a little I, like, weird. I, 
I feel bad enough about eating about eating meat, but like absolutely, there's a restaurant in Akron called The Rail, and their sign is an upside down cow. Oh, that's intense. Yeah, I'm like, yikes. Those that's not for city folk. <laughs> that's for people who understand the assembly line and are comfortable with yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> for the slaughter we've, line, I mean. We've seen things. Yeah. So <laughs> that's not for anyone who's seen the Temple Grandin movie on HBO. <laughs> but it was oh, the man. most delicious, adorable deviled egg. That's all. I love it. I'm glad you had that. I mean, I still think about it. This was like four years ago. I ate that thing. <laughs> oh man! All right, uh, put uh, John. You want to put those deviled eggs down? We need to go talk about how fat you are. <laughs> <laughs> You want to hear one of the lines from that scene? Please. I've seen it, and it bums me out, but I want to hear you say it. The other fat guy in the scene with me goes, oh, I can't. I'm trying to slim down. My girlfriend wants me to slim down, so when we travel, we can both sit on the same side of the airplane. (laughs) Jesus. Listen, Russ, always be grateful for a gig. I guess you're right. You know, another weird tidbit about that. Did you know that that Two Broke Girls was shot on the same soundstage at Warner Brothers that a streetcar named Desire with Marlon Brando with shots. <laughs> I should have realized that because I always think of the same two things, yeah. the, those two things in the same breath. You will now. Oh, I've always said the two broke girls is really the streetcar of modern television. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Streetcar essentially is just two broke people. <laughs> oh, my and goodness. And two broke girls could have really just been called the Napoleonic Code. <laughs> I have always depended on the, the kindness of fat jokes. So. <laughs> yeah. So in this one, they're throwing a big surprise party. Yep. Paul's been working hard on a film. Yep. He's not due back till 8 p.m. Right. He gets home early. Yes. They wrapped early. He gets they shot for early. 48 hours straight. So he's out yep. of his mind a little. He's exhausted. He's loopy. He's also amped. There. You're so tired, but you also just got home. Yeah. You just got out of work. So you got you to gotta cool out. Yeah. So Lisa decides to help him cool out. By offering him a sleeping pill, which is one of many pills. She has a, well, yeah, you'll hear. She dumps her purse out. Take a pill. I don't have pills. I have pills. <laughs> yeah. Really? Look, birth control, mood elevator, appetite suppressant, appetite stimulator, Prozac, breath assure, and here we go. <laughs> sleeping pills. These really work? Oh, yeah. I don't know about taking somebody else's prescription. Oh, they're not even mine. They're Harriet's. How is that better? They're for everybody. Remember Breath Ashore? No, but I oh, assume it's like, like um, a... breath spray, right? Or no? It was a pill. A little pill you took, oh, cleaned up your breath. Wow. Like a pill you swallow or a pill yep. that... Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. Didn't really work. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you can imagine, if a pill that was sold online to uh, stop your bad breath didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love this back and forth, though, about the sleeping pills. I'm yes. like Paul, where I'm uh, I'm uncomfortable taking. I, I've never taken anyone else's prescription. Yeah, nor should you. Yeah, because I don't know, just in case, you know? Yeah, it is an illegal slash bad idea. And the the idea that <laughs> they're for everybody. Really funny. It's fantastic. I love that they kind of have Harriet as just like a go-to. Yes, yes. And you I know, like to whatever's... imagine Harriet, Harriet's sister and brother-in-law yeah. must be tormented yeah. in the same way. Yeah. That Paul whenever and something are. is Whenever something is even too crazy for Lisa, yeah. they'll, just, they'll just let Harriet yep. do it and, and give the okay. So that's what happened in 1994. He takes the sleeping pill 
and people are coming over in a half an hour. I wrote in all caps, I hope we get to see this. <laughs> also, it's like this party, Steve flew in from Boston. Right. A person we never heard of who's a huge deal to Paul personally. Yeah. Ira rounded up all the college friends. Mm-hmm. And Selby, I presume, <laughs> was Selby. one of them. Yeah. Oh, we were going to get to see Selby, but... <laughs> oh man, that's funny. So then we go to 93. Mark just left. It's also fun to watch them. You could tell they're having fun because they get to recreate the hairstyles from each year yep. and the decorations in the apartment. Yeah, absolutely. And then make jokes about that time. So Mark has just left Fran in 93 at Paul's yep. birthday. He doesn't want a party. Paul doesn't want a party. And they Jamie talked him into letting Fran throw them a party to take her mind off Mark. Yes. So it's one of those bits where they're just satiating Fran and she's off a rocker. Which is so sweet. I mean, they eat a... Doesn't she come out... Those are frozen snacks, right? I think so. They look frozen. She's like, are these too hot? And they put them in their mouth. And Paul does a great bit where he like gags on it and spits it out. That year is short. They don't have a lot to say about that year. No. it's Which is also good, though. They alternate. Which is fine. 95 is short. 94 is longer. 93 is short. 92 is longer. Yes, yes. Oh, 92 is not that long. And in 93, they say, first of all, Jamie's got short hair. Yes. And, Which I like uh, a lot. Yeah, for sure. And uh, she says, at least it's not snowing. And then we cut to the Which black is, screen with the white font. Uh, yeah. The, where the it says 1992, screen. it snowed. Which is great because my first reaction immediately was like, what is she talking about? I totally knew. I was just like, oh, we're going to get some snow. Yeah, it's because you're smarter than me. <laughs> but it was an immediate like, laugh for I'm it to like, answer wait, me. John, this is, I'm like, this is. We're three things in. They mentioned something that happened in the past. You don't think we're about to see it? They didn't do that with each one, though. I guess that's true. There's no pattern yet. Okay. I don't put patterns where none exist. <laughs> that's a problem you should be working on. I'll talk to my therapist about it. Not everything's a pattern. So, not everything's a pattern. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it snowed. And that's my book on chaos. <laughs> Not everything's a pattern. <laughs> Not everything's a pattern. You and Jeff Goldblum. So Paul and Sid are alone at the party because it is snowing. It's a huge blizzard. They show, and I, this must have been, a, I feel like it could have been a real snowstorm because they showed a bunch of real news footage. Oh, by the way, in 1993, they're moving the hideous couch again. The couch. <laughs> yes, which was so fun to see again. And the old hideous couch is back. You know what's crazy? It looks less that? hideous to me. Oh, yeah. Not me. I was, oh, oh, I, really? I, I was, I was just happy to see it again. Immediately you get this, well, this is a very funny New York joke. The freak spring blizzard, which has crippled the city and left both the IRT and IND subway lines have been temporary. Well, buckle down, New Yorkers, for this freak. That's tonight. I'm Robin Bird. I've seen this one. <laughs> Did you hear that, the Robin Bird bit? I don't think so. On TV, once it breaks to the wide shot, after you see the news coverage, it just goes, this is Robin Bird tonight. And Sid goes, oh, I've seen this one. <laughs> <laughs> and Robin Bird is a pornographic film actress from the 70s who is in Debbie Does Dallas, who famously had a public and still has maybe a public access show on New York Public Access. OK, yes, that's where I've heard of her. I, I, that's I didn't nightly. realize I heard of her. But now that you now that you mention it. Yeah. yeah. Chris Gethard talks about her a lot. Yes. Yeah. Because I think their shows like, yeah, probably followed each other or something at one time. Probably. Maybe. We talked about Al Goldstein on here, didn't we? Uh-huh. I think he produces the show or something. It says Bird and Yeah, Al- don't worry. <laughs> we talked about that. Yes, John, of course we talked about that professional deceased pornographer yeah. <laughs> on our Mad About You podcast <laughs> before. But anyway, that is a very funny. 
a very funny New York joke for Sid to be like, oh, I've seen this. A, because it's live every day. Right. So there are no repeats. Yeah. <laughs> and B, that he watches it. Great. Also a fun thing, the hideous mask is back. The hideous mask on the wall is back. I was so happy to see it. I was too. Oh, that's so good. An Aunt Lolly so show. Good. Oh, so Jamie's stuck at work because of the blizzard. The, she was on the right. subway and it wasn't, they yep. just shut it down. Yes. So she can't make it to this snow filled party either. Because as we she's remember, she's sitting at her desk. She's sitting at her desk holding a pitcher of coffee. Right. And she works at like 50th and Madison, yeah. approximately, which is a real schlep down to. Yeah, yeah. You can't walk she can't that, make it right down. in the blizzard. No. But Aunt Lolly shows up. Yes. And Sid, and Sid hits it off with her big time. Yeah. It's funny because Lolly. Lolly is kind of a catch-all. She she's whatever they need her to be. Yes, in any given Which episode, is the best the episode, kind of TV side character, I think. Yeah, there was the episode where she didn't talk at all. There's the episode where she uh, smoked all the time and was kind of smarmy. Right. There was the episode where she had a uh, she divulged she used to have a relationship with Alan Brady from the Dick yep. Van Dyke Show. She's the manifestation of Harriet. You go basically. Yeah. And now she's just kind of like quiet and spacey at the beginning. And by the end, uh, well, uh, she winds up sleeping with Sid. But she also, spends the night with Sid that but night. No, but she's also a superhuman walking disaster. I guess that's kind of true. She, yeah. drew, she drove in the blizzard from Connecticut and didn't right. make a big deal about it. And then it right. implies that she totally smashed up a Volvo out front. <laughs> yeah, so, that's very true. Too. And still doesn't react to that. Like, yeah. I don't want to make this a clip crazy show because I have to do the editing, but this exchange really <laughs> killed me. Who's your friend? Uh, this is Jamie's Aunt Lolly. I'm sorry, Lolly, this is my editor, Sid Novak. Charmed. You bet. Did anybody ever tell you you look like Errol Flynn? Not a day goes by. <laughs> Not a day goes by. Oh, that's so funny. He is one of my favorite performers on the show, quite frankly. He's great. If you gotta lose Stephen Wright, it's good to lose him to Sid. I prefer Sid. Wow. Quite the claim. I know it is, but I think I can safely say that that's the case. So, so this one to go back. Right. So that was just set up as like no one's showing up. Yeah. It's sort of a, a bust of a party. A bust of a party. Yeah. Which also is such a great symbiosis. Like it's that supports the need to throw the big party the following year. It's true too. To make up for yeah. the, the dud yeah. from that year. Like, yeah, oh, it's a very good Each point. party follows the previous party logically, too. Yeah. That's so great. We go to 1991. Paul and Jamie are engaged. Jamie has long, long hair, longer than we've ever seen her. Yes. Her extent, Helen Hunt's extensions are popping. This is where we get the crux of the episode. We're about halfway through the episode now, right? Yes. And we learn about this tradition Paul has that was given to him by his uncle? Uh, his grandfather. Grandfather. Yeah. Do you do the port thing now or later? Oh, now would be very good. Which grandfather was it? All right, this is my mother's father. On my 21st birthday, he gives me this bottle. He says, Freckles, once a year, you drink a glass of this, you take a walk, you figure it out. Freckles? He's, uh... <laughs> this, I don't know about you, Russ, this is the kind of thing where as a kid I'd watch this and I'd be like, that's like old Jewish New York culture. I'll imagine that's something <laughs> that yeah, all the people like... I idolize do. And yeah, I'll drink a glass of port and walk around yeah, and think. That, yep, absolutely. The perfect thing to mimic that now as an adult, I'm like, well, some old guys just wrote that up in a room. Yeah. And maybe um, it's loosely based on something real, but also maybe not. I feel like there's no way. There is no way that a grandfather said to their grandson, drink a glass of port, take a walk and figure it out. I don't know. In the 60s, maybe. Uh, I mean, 
Look, anything. Could, it was the '60s. It was a hell of a time. Anybody could have said anything. Like to a fifteen-year-old, not to an eight-year-old, but like to a fifteen-year-old, maybe. And you pour him a tiny shot of port. By the time you're fifteen, you're not listening to your grandfather. Oh, I think you are. You're not listening to your parents. I wasn't listening to anybody. Well, listen to the you. kind of character. Listen to the kind of character I'm painting myself as. Yeah. <laughs> I, you you wouldn't believe how any any adult. <laughs> yeah, I was like listening to Marilyn yeah. Manson. Yeah, if there was a murderer who walked up to me, so long as they were above the age of 28, I would be like, okay, great. <laughs> Mom, dad, my murderer friend said blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> He's cool. So Paul takes a drink and he drinks his port alone. Yes. He does not pour a glass for Jamie. This is a- Jamie is oh. expecting this. Yes. She's expecting him to pour a glass. Oh, right, yes. He does not pour a glass. Yes. And she takes this to heart. Paul says that he's a little bit weirded out by the fact that they are currently engaged and that she is his fiance and uh, vice versa. He says, you're walking around minding your own business. Next thing you know, you're a whole French word. That's a funny thing to say. Yeah. And you're experiencing that now. I am. You're, you're oh, a man. French word. I am a French word. Pardon it's my funny French. How every, it's funny how at this stage of the game, there's at least one person. I recently mentioned it to my coworker who she didn't respond when I was just like, by the way, Jen and I got engaged and one person was very excited and she didn't say anything. Now I was uncomfortable enough bringing it up to begin with. Oh brother. So I wasn't going to be like, uh, excuse me. Did you hear? I said that we're engaged. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just let it lie. And then the other day she was just like, any plans for Thanksgiving? Are you going to your girlfriends? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to my fiance's. And she's like, fiance? And she was very excited. Yeah, she just totally wasn't listening to you the first time. Yeah, it almost made her cry. And it was very sweet. But yeah, the idea of being... So that's that's my experience of being a French word. But yeah, I'm pretty glad that I didn't... By the... uh, uh, Linda. By the way. Excuse me. (laughs) Just check... uh, I'm sending you this email because uh, I'm not sure if you heard earlier. And I wanted to make sure that it... Uh. uh, Blooped up in front of your face. Blooped up? I'm engaged now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tune into Russ's bloopers show where he reads emails. <laughs> <laughs> so now we get to come back. Well, hold on, though. Hold on, though. Paul does his shot alone. Yep. She's a little miffed. And then he's like, yep. I'm going to go for the walk. And then they have this awkward yep. discussion where it's like she was, she was, she's assuming she's going on the walk with him. Right. And he's like, oh, I kind of do this alone. Yep. And then they go back and forth a little. And it's like, do you want to come? If you want to come, I want you to come. You know, yada, yada, yada. And he leaves alone. He doesn't quite leave alone. Oh, yeah. That's a great. Yes, that is great. He's like, I got to do this alone. And then he goes, Murray, come on. Yeah. That is a great little joke. So then we go to commercial, I feel like. And then we come back to 1991, right? Yes. And he's returned from his walk. Yes. Which is wonderful. Yep. And then they get into a fight. Yeah, because she has packed her things because she is leaving him the next day. She's not yes. going to leave him on his birthday. She's she going bakes to wait the cake the following day. Yep. She brings the candles, but also she packed all her things and she tells him she's yep. leaving. Yeah. And they have a great old fashioned mad about you fight. Yes. She's packing. She's separating their books. She wants to know which one of them has Ivanhoe. Yeah, and which one has the girls of Bond or something. Yeah, the girls of James Bond. And then Cujo, which could go either way, frankly. Cujo could definitely go either way. Yeah. And then Paul. I could see him buying it, but her reading it. uh, For sure, yeah. yeah. And then Paul, for all intents and purposes, ends the episode 
You want to know what I was thinking about? No, I just want to know whose copy of Cujo this is. All right, is. I'm going to tell you what I was thinking about. The whole time I'm out there, I'm walking along, and I'm looking back at the year, and I'm going, hey, remember this? Hey, remember that? And I see all these people, they're looking at me because I'm talking to myself, but they don't know. I'm talking to you. And all of a sudden, I realize I have figured it out. I now have somebody else to walk with for the rest of my life. That's what I was thinking about. What? <laughs> I feel like... What, what part? When him saying, I was thinking about you. Oh, yes. Yes, 100%. It feels like... I was thinking about you to the future. And they cheers. They toast each other. I love this. And it's like, this is great. This is where normally this episode would end. And there's like six minutes left at least. He's had his... Yeah, they've had their emotional exchange. Uh They are secure in their relationship together. See you next week. Let's do the tag. But instead, we've got... Five, we got four more years of birthdays. Yeah. And it's like, get ready for on. the most active falling action you've ever seen. Yeah. It's, it's, that's the one part of this episode where I'm just kind of like, like I said, it felt like the end and then it didn't end. So it's not, it's a little bit wonky for no, me. No, I think that's great. That I still loved it. Because it then just it's like, just laughs, was, laughs, laughs. That is true. Because we come back from, you know, once we go to the future in 91, then we see 92. And Paul is now playing charades with Sid and Lolly. Oh, and he's trying to do Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, he's on all fours trying to get them to guess lambs. They do not. Yeah, and then you get this great nod to what every New Yorker does, every old New Yorker. Don't you miss the automats? (laughs) This whole city's going to hell. Just gets a laugh because it's so characteristic when they reminisce. Yeah, oh gosh. It's so quintessential. No matter what the decade, no matter what's changed, mm-hmm. this whole city's going to hell. <laughs> it's really fun. Oh, so yeah, so and then Sid they and Lolly leave together. Leave, they leave together. Sid has a Which, great line when she's like, "I married two husbands," and he goes, "Perhaps they weren't up to the challenge." Gosh, that's so funny. He's great. They really, he's my he's favorite great. editor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be a fun. That'd be, we should try, I mean, look, everybody, we should try to get as many editors, as many of Paul's editors as guests on this podcast. Sure, but I between, think they're all dead, yeah, except for Stephen yeah, Wright, but, maybe. Yeah, yeah, between them being uber famous or dead, yeah. I think it's going to be, I think our work may be cut out for <laughs> <laughs> Then we go so, back, yeah. Yeah, no, then we go to 1993. Fran is completely drunk. Her shoe is in her hand. She's like she's, lying she, lengthwise on the back of the on couch, the top, like yeah, on the top. The back of the couch, yeah. She's yelling at friends, chasing them from the apartment, and she drinks the rest of Paul's port, and that's basically the end of that. Of that birthday. Yeah. That one's funny. I have the clip here. I'm not going to play it. Great. I implore you all to buy the show. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to give you all this for free. It's too good. There you go. 94, here we go. Yeah. We get a Judy Geeson appearance. Their British neighbor, and she almost steals the episode again with one line, I think. 94, here we go. We're going to listen to the entire rest of the episode. No, it's not true. <laughs> but this is the one I was dying to see. This is the one I hoped the whole episode could almost be. Paul on a sleeping yeah. pill having to, do a surpri- having to live through his surprise birthday. It's pretty fun. So they put Paul outside their apartment against the Geesons. Not the Geesons. That's a real life name. What's their name? I never remember. I call them the Brits. Hal and... Hal and Maggie. Conway. Conway. I was going to say Steinway, but that's a piano. (laughs) And not very waspy. No. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, also true. <laughs> they lean Paul against the Conway's door, Lisa and Jamie, and then they go into their apartment and be like, hey, we just saw him coming down the hall. And they told Paul to count to 30 and then come in for the big surprise. Yep. And obviously he's so sleepy, he can barely stay awake. He's doing some great, like, he's really chewing the scenery with the with the sleepiness. He is. He Fantastic falls work. through the do- like he falls asleep and Maggie Maggie he Conway, falls asleep with his head yeah with his head up against Maggie's door yes when she opens the door Paul falls dead into the apartment right so she comes over and opens the Buckman's door everyone yells surprise and in that classic Judy Giesen tone she just says can you can you clean this up please. It's so funny. <laughs> About Paul. And then as they're dragging Paul out of her apartment, she slams the door on his head. <laughs> <laughs> and you hear it. It's just like a bump, a little bump. She's amazing. Great. She's great. And you said it a couple of weeks ago. You're absolutely right. Like she does two lines every week. And it's just like, we love it. Yeah, it's like, a highlight. Yeah. She doesn't make a meal out of it. No. That's what's so fantastic. funny about it. It's like very dry, quick. Very restrained. Yes. Very well done. And then this blew my mind, too, because this is the best choice to make, I think. And it's the most unexpected. They bring Paul in. Jamie sets up that she's like, oh, honey, you're back. Come on in. So everyone yep. hides again. They come in. Yep. They yell surprise at a super tired, overworked, sleeping pill Paul. And he starts to cry. <laughs> it's so funny. He's so overwhelmed. He's he just so starts overwhelmed to cry. and exhausted. He just cries. And then the receiving line just sort of passes him around. Like he just keeps falling on each person. They push him onto the next one and hug him. And then they push him onto the next one. And he's yawning and he's weeping. Yeah. And it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot. <laughs> and he's doing a great. Oh, and then we see Aunt Lolly and Sid are there. Yeah. And they're fighting about last year, I guess. Yeah. Because he never yeah. called her. Uh, he ghosted yeah, Aunt Lolly. Sid left the, yeah, Sid ghosted Aunt Lolly. And so he sits down. Paul sits down at the cake. Apparently at this party, as soon as the guest of honor arrives, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's time to have birthday cake. So they sit down. He's, they sing happy birthday. He tries to blow out candles, cannot manage to do it. Jamie blows out his candles, removes them from the cake, and then Paul face plants right into it. It's perfect. It's great. And then we're back in 1995, present day. Yeah, and this is, we get a payoff for a plot that I didn't think was that fun, initially. Yeah, Paul realizes he's doomed, and he leaves to go go get a cab. As he does, Jamie forces Ira and Susanna to apologize to each other, which they do. And they put the cat in In the bathroom. In the bathroom. And as they do that, we hear barking from off screen. Yep. Because Murray is chasing the cat and the cat jumps out of the window. Yeah, he chases it around the coffee table perfectly and the cat leaps out the window. And they all rush to the window. Yep. Just to watch the cat land on Paul's head. Lands on Paul. We get a this is what I'm saying yelled from the street Uh by Paul Buckman. And that's how the episode proper ends. Uh Uh-huh. And then we cut to an external helicopter shot of an ambulance taking Paul to the hospital as everybody sings happy birthday, dear Pauly. Yeah. And then we get another cat meowing. Now, this is the only weird, I mean, look, a cat jumping out of, what floor are they on? Like we 10, know? I think. Yeah, so they're on the 10th floor. This cat fell 10 stories. Yeah, it's cartoony. Landed on Paul and is fine. Something worse has to happen because either Paul got hit by a cat and it knocked him out cold, so they need to go in an ambulance. Or that's what happened. But it didn't knock him out cold. He yelled, this is what I'm saying. Oh, right, right, right. So 
yeah, it kind of inconvenienced him. They got outside and were just like, oh, we better call, we better get an ambulance. That's true. You can't have the ambulance and the this is what I'm saying in the same scene. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. fair point. So that's why I hated this episode. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I hate this show. JK, everybody. I love this freaking episode and this show's great. Oh, it sure is and was. And I loved it too. Fun stuff. Season three is going guys. out with not a whimper, but a bang. But a bang. Yeah, we got three more episodes in this season, don't we? It's wild. And one of them's a yeah. two-parter. One of them's a two-parter. We got to figure out how many episodes that'll be for us. I Yeah, we will. We'll do that off the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> rise, guys. Rise, gals. Thank you so much for listening. This is an old-school long one with a lot of twists and turns and winding roads. But uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed doing it. John, I think, I don't want to speak on your behalf, that you should rate and review us on iTunes. I agree. Or elsewhere. Yeah. I'll go with that. Subscribe. Where can they uh, talk to us and or support this podcast? Besides sharing it with your friends, because word of mouth is the best. Yes, word of mouth is the best. Share this with a friend. Don't know what to give someone for Christmas. Don't want to spend money on them. (laughs) Just tell them to listen to this stupid show. (laughs) Uh, if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at Mad About You Pod. You can Facebook us at Mad About You Pod. You can email us like Tracy did, madaboutyoupod at gmail.com. You can go to our website, www.madaboutyoupod.com, where we have links to everywhere that we you can listen to the podcast. You can listen to it on the website. We have a little, uh, what's it called? Addiction Mame? Yep. Where we have a little glossary to help you <laughs> understand, understand the show. what we're talking about sometimes. If you have ideas for those entries, send them our way. We'll add them. If you want to buy the show, we got all the links there for Amazon if you if you don't feel like searching for it. But I'm telling you, this actually, the show makes a great Christmas present, too. It's so very true. cheap. Very cheap. It's 25 bucks for the whole series. It's inexpensive. It's not cheap. It's inexpensive. I'm afraid it's cheap, and I think it should cost more. <laughs> I think any self-respecting series should cost more than $25 <laughs> for seven, seven or eight seasons. For seven Or nine, seasons. whatever it is. <laughs> Infinity seasons. Yeah. Um, Based on how often we record, it's infinity seasons long. <laughs> and uh, rate and review us anywhere. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Pod. Oh, yeah, that's iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, whatever. We're on all of them. Everywhere. Everywhere. You should also check out the people who make the music and the art for this show. Speaking of, we've got a theme song, and it sounds like this. by Mr. John D. Ivy. John, thank you so much for this. We also have a logo designed by Mr. Nathan Diffie. Find him on Twitter at Nathan D-I-F-F-E-E for all your cool art needs. Thank you, Nathan. And our sandwich mix by Mr. Vuk Ivanovich. Thank you, Vuk. Thank you, Vuk. John, high five, buddy boy. (laughs) I'll talk to you real soon. Okay. Rise, guys, rise, gals. Please listen to us real soon. This has been another Mad About Mad About You. I'm Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And this is what we're saying.